Well, good morning. How is everybody doing today? It's a good day to be in the house of the Lord, amen? I'm going to say what Pastor Brian said last week. I am so thrilled that the moving of the Holy Spirit doesn't depend on the Razorbacks, amen? Well, and I'm glad that, I, well, I, I can't say that I'm glad. I wish, I, I was talking to a buddy of mine, and I said, I wish I was just at the point in my life where it didn't affect me as much as it does, but it does. It affects me when they lose, And uh, but I'm going to tell you, I'm not going to let that stop me today from, from getting all that God has for me uh, in this place today, and I hope that you would say the same today. So again, I ask you, are you glad to be in the house of the Lord? Amen. Well, this morning, I want to speak to you on a subject uh, that I'm sure a lot of us in this room are very interested in. A recent, pew, or a recent uh, research poll revealed that over 60% of Americans track their weight in some sort of way. Last year, the U.S. weight loss industry was a $60.5 billion industry. That's a lot of money. So this morning I thought about, in this message that I'm going to preach, I thought about bringing a, a big scale up here and having some people come up and weigh and let's, uh, you know, let's really get to know each other really well. <laughs> but I decided, you know, that could, that could go, that could either make my sermon or it could break my sermon. So I figured just for the sake, you, you all know what it's like to stand on the scale. And if you're like me, it's always a scary thing. It's always a, man, I hope this, I hope there's enough spaces on this scale for it to tell me all the numbers that I'm about to see roll through here. But weight is something that is probably on all of our minds at some point or another. A well-known comedian of yesteryear named Jackie Gleason said, the second day of a diet is always easier than the first because by the second day, you're already off it. <laughs> that, that'll preach. That's the truth. My personal, is, my personal experience is that I keep trying to lose weight but it keeps finding me. Anybody ever heard that one? My doctor told me to stop having intimate dinners for four unless there were three other people there. That's a good one. That's pretty good. So I, like many of you, I'm sure, have, have been on various diets, and, and um, I have uh, just always had this little love that I like to call food in my life. I just like to eat, man. Is it, can I get a witness? I just like good food. And, and one day, I said this uh, thir or last Thursday night when I preached in the venue, I don't know how scripturally accurate this is, but I just choose to think that this is the kind of God that I serve, that one day when the Bible talks about that we'll have a glorified body, I believe, yeah, I believe that everybody that was on earth that struggled with their weight, that watched other people eat bad and they gained weight, you know what I'm talking about? I think that those people are going to have the most fit, athletic, they can eat whatever they want to, and they're just six-packing it up. But then all the other people who could eat whatever they wanted to their whole life, they're going to know what it was like to suffer. <laughs> I don't know if that's scriptural, so don't take that, don't take that as a word from the Lord. But I want to talk to you this morning, and the title of my message, if you're taking notes, is this, The Weight I never want to lose. The weight I never want to lose. But first, real quick, let's, let's look at some weight that we need to lose. In the Bible, we are instructed to lay aside every weight that so easily besets us. In Hebrews 12, 1, 
It says, therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. So there are some weights in our life that we want to lose, that we really need to lose. How many of you know that the sin in your life will weigh you down and it'll keep you and hinder your relationship with God? Today I could preach on the sin of gluttony. I could preach about running the race and how if you're not physically fit, it's hard to run a race. I could preach about physical exercise having some value. I could preach on the king of Moab that talks about in uh, the chapter of Judges and it says he was a fat man. I could talk about how our bellies can become our God. I could preach about how Israel grew fat and turned to idolatry. I could even talk about in Daniel 5 about Belshazzar who was weighed in the balances and found wanting. We could take a lesson from all of those things that I could preach on this morning. But I am not only concerned this morning with the weight we need to lose. I am more concerned with the weight that we never want to lose. The weight we never want to lose. What is the weight or what kind of weight would it be that we never want to lose? This part of my message this morning is for the church. This is not necessarily a message this morning that's going to draw sinners in. And it's not a really an evangelistic message this morning. This message today is for the church. This is for all those who consider this church not just a place to hang out or to go on Sundays. But for you, it is a ministry where you are being involved in the Great Commission, which is the work of the Holy Ghost through his body. It is especially for those who are being mentored through the ministries of this body who will one day be greatly used in the work of God. And there are lots of you in this room this morning that fit into this category, and I am proud of each and every one of you. This message this morning is an exhortation. It is about uh, a precious attribute that we must treasure and never lose, the weight we never want to lose. If you do lose this weight, if you lose this weight, you, you can be in danger of becoming anorexic. Anorexic Christians feed on the world more than the word. They don't realize their problem until it's too late. They see themselves as normal and any weight loss is not understood. They have no explanation for their dilemma. The Mayo Clinic lists the number one danger sign in your body as unexplained weight loss. That's the number one danger sign in your body is unexplained weight loss. Unexplained weight loss in your physical body can mean thyroid issues. It can indicate diabetes, depression, liver disease, or digestive problems. It can also mean cancer, the most dreaded of all physical diagnoses. Spiritually, this morning, we have got to take inventory of where we are. We've been talking the last month about wandering through the desert and I'm sure that you, you look at the, the children of God after they got through the desert and they got through all this stuff that they've been going through as pastor been talking about. They probably kind of assessed where they were. So this morning, I want us to, accept, uh, to assess where we are spiritually. Some of us today need to throw some weight off that we've been carrying. But there's a weight that we never want to lose. In 2 Corinthians 12, 15, the apostle Paul says, And I will very gladly spend and be spent for you. Though the more abundantly I love you, the less I be loved. 
One more time. And I will very gladly spend and be spent for you, though the more abundantly I love you, the less I'll be loved. Let's pray. Father, we feel your presence in this place. Holy Ghost, we know that you're here. We know that you're moving among us. Father, I pray that you would anoint me today to preach your word that is already already anointed. Would you uh, open up our hearts, open up our minds, open up our ears? May we be receptive to what you have for us today. And if you receive that, say amen. Amen. So Paul in this verse is speaking to his spiritual children. He was willing to be totally spent for them even while they were cold towards him in return. Parents, I'm sure you can identify with that, that sometimes that's the way that your children are with you, that they don't always repay your love in kind. Sometimes they can cause the greatest hurts to those that love them the most. But we see here that Paul was willing to make even the ultimate sacrifice for them. Let's back up real quick to to chapter 11, chapter 11 and 23. And in these verses, he gives us insight into the life and burden of a minister of the gospel. When I read this, I, I really do become personally ashamed that I have suffered so little for the sake of the call. Let's read what Paul says, 2 Corinthians eleven twenty three. This is what it says. Are they servants of Christ? Am I more? I have worked much harder, been in prison more frequently, been flogged more severely, and been exposed to death again and again. Five times I received from the Jews the 40 lashes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was pelted with stones. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and day in the open sea. I have been constantly on the move. I have been in danger from rivers. I have been in danger from bandits, in danger from my fellow Jews, in danger from Gentiles, in danger in the city, in danger in the country, in danger at sea, and in danger from false believers. I have labored and toiled and often gone without sleep. I have known hunger and thirst, and I have often gone without food. I have been cold and naked. Besides everything else, I face daily the pressure of my concern for all the churches. Look at that last verse one more time. Besides everything else, I face daily the pressure of my concern for all the churches. What's he saying here? He's saying besides all this other stuff, besides getting hit with rocks and being shipwrecked and being in danger from all these people, I face concern for the churches that I have gone and preached the gospel at and the people that I know God has called me to reach. You may not realize it. He may never show it. But your pastor, as the shepherd of this church, is under such a great weight of spiritual burden for you. You may never see it. It may never manifest manifest itself, but I can guarantee you that your pastor has such a weight and burden for your soul. We see Paul in these verses lets the Corinthian believers know of his outward struggles of which every minister shares. Then he caps off the list by sharing his burden for the church. Listen to what Matthew Henry, the great Bible commentator, says about this passage of Scripture. Paul mentions this last because it lay heaviest upon him. He could bear all the persecution of the enemy, but heaviest of all was the oversight of the church. All his perils were little in comparison of what he felt relative to the peace, government, and establishment of the church. None but a conscientious minister 
who was who has at heart the salvation of souls can enter into the apostles' feeling in this place. In the original text, the pressure of my concern literally means that which rushes upon me like a storming crowd. The cares rush upon me like a mob that is forcing its way. That's the kind of weight that Paul bore for the church. One of my heroes in the faith, the late Steve Hill, said, When I get behind the pulpit, if I seem preoccupied, it is simply because I am burdened with two things. I carry the burden of a message from God. I carry a burden for each and every one of you. I live with my eyes focused on eternity. That means I do my best to always ask the question, how will the things I'm doing today affect eternity? Every once in a while, the average man catches a glimpse of eternity through sickness, funerals, solemn moments, etc. But most live with their lives focused on the day in and day out issues of their life. If you know his story at all, Steve Hill spent all he had for the sake of the gospel. How will the things that you're doing today affect eternity? That's my sermon in a nutshell. I could stop right now and my message I would feel has already been delivered. But I want to give you an illustration this morning. and I want to go a little bit deeper into this. I have been given the opportunity to serve and labor with some great ministers who are such great examples of this that I'm talking about. And I thank God every day for the opportunity that I've been given. But none of them, I'm sure, would want me to stand up here and share their story with you of their personal trials of faith. So I'm going to use as an example the man who dedicated me as a young child. He was my first pastor, the late Reverend Robert Holland. I'm going to put a picture up on the screen. That's me as a baby. Man, look at that handsome chubby fella. It started right then. (laughs) There we are together. Brother Holland, he was such a classic example of a biblical shepherd. He lived a holy lifestyle. He was a student and powerful preacher of the word. He was a man of prayer and communion with the Lord. He loved Jesus. He loved the word and he loved his church. But unless you were his close friend, you would never know the struggles that he faced every day. He came to First Assembly El Dorado from Bristol, Tennessee. From the moment he stepped off the airplane, the devil began to attack his family. His wife became sick for the entire 12 years of his ministry in El Dorado. Eventually, he was di- or she was diagnosed with rheumatoid arthritis. She required constant care. He had to bathe her and dress her every morning before he came to the office. They had three small children that had to be cared for. In addition to that, the church was needy. The church had a full schedule of ministry to the community and a Christian school to boot. Some saw the need to relocate and build a new facility. Some were dead set against that. Business meetings came and went. The naysayers became very vocal against the pastor. It became a heavy weight on him. He was under tremendous pressure. Most of all, he was burdened with the spiritual condition of his congregation. Several members were glaringly unsatisfied. The church suffered for a lack of revival. It was more than anyone should bear. One Saturday night, the Lord in all his sovereignty and wisdom said it was enough. And about three o'clock in the morning, Brother Holland went to be with the Lord that he preached about. And I believe that he he heard the words that every child of God longs to hear. Well done, thy good and faithful servant. He was willing to be spent 
and spend all he had for the sake of the gospel. And, and most people would look at that and they would hear stories like that of pastors who have gone to these churches and, and had such a heart for these people. And they did everything they could to try to destroy him and his family and his ministry. But yet he persisted. Why? It's because there is something on the inside of people that have been called of God that is a weight and a burden that they have in their soul that cannot be given away or it cannot be lost because God has called them and he has placed a burden of the call for the lost on their life. I'm telling you, friend, there is nothing more important than the call of God on your life. Young people, listen to me. There is nothing more important than the call of God on your life, and it is without repentance. He was willing to spend and be spent for the sake of the gospel. He understood the burden of responsibility that goes with the call of God. He did things that affected eternity in a powerful way. I ask you again the question this morning. How will the things that you are doing today affect eternity? How will it affect your salvation, your family, your church? How will it affect the people that God has given you influence over? Again, this message this morning is for the church. No matter where you serve, a burden of responsibility has been placed on your shoulders. You have been called. Everybody say it with me this morning. I've been called. Say it. I have been called. You have been called this morning by God. And there is a weight that you must never lose. It is a daily pressure that outweighs all other concerns. Very quickly, I want to point out some aspects of weight as it concerns to our ministry. This applies to every teacher, every leader, every worker in this church, whether you're credentialed or not, whether you think your job is small or great, this applies to everyone in here. Number one, we must be weighted with a burden for souls. We must be weighted with a burden for souls. Are we being used to bring souls into the kingdom of God? The burden of God is that all men and women come to repentance. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but long-suffering towards us. He is not willing that what? That any should perish, but all should come to repentance. This burden is the weight that I never want to lose. If the heart of God is for souls, how can we be slack in winning people for him? If the heart of God is for souls and that nobody should perish, then how can we be slack as the people of God in winning souls to Christ? That must be the forefront of everything that we do. How can we be satisfied with less when the Holy Spirit wants to burden us with the weight of unsaved men and women? Our city is corrupt even as there's churches on every corner, even as Jude says, ungodly people have slipped in among us who turn the grace of God into a license for immorality and deny the very lordship of Christ. Our nation has become a nation that has forgotten God and surely judgment is upon us. But God, give us your burden that we can walk down the streets of our city where the atheists are, where the addicts are, where the alcoholics are, the prostitutes, and cry out to repent and cry out that there is a truth, that there is a way, that there is a light, and his name is Jesus Christ. We must claim and proclaim the power of the gospel to change lives. The weight I never want to lose is a holy discontentment over the lostness of humanity. A holy discontentment of the lostness of humanity. 
We say it over and over again. Our job is not to hate the sinner. We hate the the sin and what it does to their lives. When you stand before God, will you bring precious souls with you? Or will you hang your head in shame and remember all the lost opportunities that you had to share the gospel? Remember, God said in Ezekiel 3.18, When I say to a wicked person, you will surely die, and you do not warn them or speak out to dissuade them from their evil ways in order to save their life, that wicked person will die for their sin, and I will hold you accountable for their blood. Hmm. That's a strong word, friend. I can think about times in my life that I missed an opportunity to to preach the gospel in somebody's life. I can think about times in my life that I had every chance when I was in class or when I was uh, at work that I could have shared the gospel, but I didn't for whatever reason. And one day, if that person never comes to Christ, one day their blood could very well end up on my hands. Friends, that's a sobering thought. Think about the people that you see every day of your life that, that share their problems, that share their griefs with you, and you say, oh, that's, I'll be praying for you. And that's all it ever is. I'm telling you, friends, some of us have got to catch the burden and the weight for the lost and dying that are around us. God is saying there's not much time. We need to be bringing as many people to the altar, as many people to Jesus Christ as possible. It is time for us to feel the weight of responsibility for the lost. It's a weight that I never want to lose. How will the things that you're doing today affect eternity? Secondly, We must be weighted with a burden for living a holy and godly lifestyle, for holiness. Every good pastor or shepherd and teacher and every concerned person in this fellowship should feel the weight of the need for sanctification in and among us. Once known for holiness, the church has become no different than the world. We in the Assemblies of God need to be aware of the need for a holy walk and a holy talk as we try to influence our world for God. Everyone right now, take an evaluation of your Christian walk and how it affects your witness. I ask you the question this morning, have you become barren in your walk with God? Did you once feel the weight of God's heart, but now you find yourself in a cold spiritual condition? Do you even care anymore that your friends, your neighbors, and your co-workers could burn in hell because of your coldness? Has popular culture stolen your holiness? Hmm, think about that. Has popular culture stolen our holiness? The late Reverend Bobby Johnson said this, the church is never going to make an impact on the world while it's acting like the world. The church is never going to make an impact on the world as long as they are acting like the world. I ask you again the question, how will the things you are doing today in your life affect eternity? You see, the atmosphere that you live under determines what kind of fruit your life or your ministry produces. The early church had a a culture of continuous power because they managed to to sustain an atmosphere of the presence of God. They managed to sustain an atmosphere of the presence of God. They were not centered around the culture of the world. 
They were not human-centered, but they were Holy Spirit-centered, and it was evident. They were not legalistic in their spirituality, but they experienced an atmospheric change on the day of Pentecost. That was the key to their fruitfulness. When the apostles were threatened, they prayed for boldness. There was a weight and a burden on them that they were not willing to lose. They asked God for healing, power, and miraculous signs and wonders would be done in the name of Jesus. And after they prayed those kind of prayers, the place where they were at was shaken. The dominant atmosphere of your life will determine your fruitfulness and your level of sanctification. What does that mean? That means if you fill your life with junk, that's what you can expect to, for you to produce is junk. When you listen to the filth that is on the radio today and you put before your eyes the junk that is on TV, how do you expect your life to be any different if that's all you put into it? How do you expect the glory of God to surround you when you never spend time in his word or you never spend time praying or you never spend time on your face crying out to God to reach the lost or crying out to God to fill you so full of the power of the Holy Ghost? Our churches have become so reliant on other people to do the work of the ministry while people are dying and going to hell at such a scary rate and the church is not doing anything about it. God, forgive us. God, forgive the church for sitting by dormant and not speaking out against sin and not living a life of holiness. God, forgive us. God, give us back the weight that we never want to lose to live a holy and godly life before you. Be filled with the Holy Ghost. Pray in the Spirit on a daily basis, and you will feel that weight that you never want to lose. It's the heart of God for the world. I ask you again this morning, how will the things you're doing affect eternity? We must be weighted with the burden for the lost and burden for holiness. Number three, we must also be weighted with the burden for spiritual maturity in ourselves and those who we minister. A perpetual weight on every pastor is a burden for believers to grow up and be spiritually mature in their faith and work in the ministry. Paul said to Barnabas, let us go and visit our brothers in every city where we preached the word and see how they're doing. It wasn't just one of those things where they say, well, now you're saved. Good luck. That's what we want to do a lot of times is we'll come down here and we'll pray with somebody. Good luck. I hope you make it on your journey. It takes discipleship. Amen. It takes us coming beside these young believers and saying, hey, this is the way to live your life. Let me be an example to you of how to walk and talk with God. The book of Hebrews speaks for the need of maturity. It says you have been believers so long now that you ought to be teaching others. Instead, you need someone to teach you again the basic things about God's word. You are like babies who need milk and cannot eat solid food. For someone who lives on milk is still an infant and does not know what is right and wrong. Solid food is for those who are mature, who through training have the skill to recognize the difference between right and wrong. If some of you remember and you were here uh, I think it was one of the first messages I ever preached here was a message called Rockabye Baby. And I preached out of this portion of scripture and I had a gigantic baby bottle. Does anybody remember that? Rockabye Baby. And I talked about the need for growing up. And I'm telling you, church, if there has ever been a time for a church to be spiritually mature, it is now. If there has ever been a time for us to be spiritually mature, it is now. Why? Because look at the things that are going on around us. 
Look at the things that are happening in our world. If you are a young, immature believer, you won't see anything. You don't, you, you'll take everything at face value and you won't see what's really going on behind the scene. And let me tell you what it is, is this world is getting ready to come to an end. <laughs> The world as we know it is getting ready to come to an end and Jesus is getting ready to come back and take those that are looking for his return. And the people that are spiritually immature and are not aware of this, I'm afraid, are going to miss it. We have got to be mature. Spiritual immaturity is a byproduct of carnal Christian Christianity. Spiritual immaturity is a byproduct of carnal Christianity. Now, I'm not going to dwell on this point very long this morning because maturity is not something you can bring about by telling someone to be mature. I can't stand up here today and say, be mature, and then all of a sudden you grow a white beard. I can't. That's not, not that that really makes you mature. It makes you look mature, I guess. But that's not how it happens. I can't stand in front of you today and say, we got to be mature, and that's going to fix everything. No, what it's going to take is discipline and you feeling the weight and the responsibility to get into your word, to spend time on your knees praying, to spend time speaking in tongues as the Spirit gives you the utterance. That's how you become mature in your relationship with Christ. Needless to say, a church which has a large segment of spiritually immature and selfish members, will experience problems which weigh heavily on a pastor, and they should. As heavily as they may be, it is a weight he can never afford to lose. Teacher, let me ask you this. Teacher, you teach Sunday school. You teach a small group. Let me ask you, are you weighed down with the burden of responsibility for your class? Worship team, do you feel the weight of responsibility that every time you stand before the people that the weight has been placed upon you to lead them into the very throne room of God? Parents, does the, does the spiritual condition of your children cause you to put everything else aside and intercede for them? Can we say with Paul, I will spend and be spent for you? Is there any of us in this place today that could say, for the lost in this world, I will gladly be spent and spend for you? As I conclude this message, I want to mention one more kind of weight that we never want to lose. Many of us, many churches today have lost this. But a weight and a burden that we can never lose is a desire for God's presence among us. A weight and burden that we can never lose is a desire for God's presence among us. One more verse of Scripture in 2 Corinthians 2.17. For our light affliction, which is for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. Think with me for a few minutes about the weight of his glory. The weight of his glory. There is no easy way to the glory of God. There's not an easy way to the glory of God. You can't just waltz right in in any kind of condition and just be in the glory of God. There is a pattern to experiencing the glory of God. The glory of God is not the anointing. Now, we must be anointed, but the glory is the manifest presence of God in our midst. It's the kabod or the weightedness of his presence Has anybody ever experienced a time, and we felt it here, we felt it this morning, where there was just a a heaviness. It's not a bad thing, but a heaviness where all you want to do is you just want to stand there and soak up the presence of God. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Wave your hand at me if you know what I'm talking about. 
It's that, that precious weightedness that comes down, and it's, it's something that you can't describe. It's something that nothing else can make you feel like. It is the weight of the glory and the presence of God. Those are the times when God is able to do something within us as a body. Those are the times that we experience deliverance from whatever holds us back. Those are the times that we see signs, wonders, and miracles. The presence and the glory of God is a weight that we can never afford to lose. My first pastor, Robert Holland, and many others that come to mind as a part of the great cloud of witnesses that are cheering us on today. They gladly spent themselves for the gospel. How could I do any less than that? How could we do any less than that as a church? One more time, I'll ask you the question. How will the things you're doing today affect eternity? Last Friday, September the 18th, at our campgrounds down in Hot Springs, there was a, a group of Assemblies of God ladies who met for their annual women's retreat. They had powerful worship and anointed preaching. The Holy Ghost was poured out and the presence of God was there in such a real and powerful way. At the conclusion of the service, many of the ladies were praying around the altar and seeking God for his presence among them. And he came into the room in a mighty way. Listen to this. The Hot Springs Fire Department sent fire trucks to the campground because the neighbors reported seeing smoke over the sanctuary. This is not something sensational that I read about on Facebook. This is something that actually happened. And I'm praying that today that God would come and visit us in such a real and powerful way. That the fire department would be called because they see smoke and flames shooting out of this building. Because the presence and the weight of the glory of God has come and consumed us. I'm praying that we would never lose the weight of these things. A few years ago, and I'm going to end with this. A few years ago, the Holy Spirit dropped a word into somebody's heart about our church. I'm going to read that to you this morning. This is what they said. While I was in worship, I saw the sanctuary at Trinity Fellowship. I heard pure worship. I saw the congregation with their hands lifted up, worshiping God. I saw as they were worshiping with uplifted hands, rivers of living water coming out of their bellies. The Holy Spirit said, you did not build a building to count numbers. You built a building to add souls to the kingdom of God. He said, you had not asked for what was in God's hands. You have asked for what was in his heart. He said, you have not asked for signs, wonders, and miracles because you asked for what was in God's heart. You shall see souls added to God's kingdom and you shall see signs, wonders, and miracles. In fact, you are seeing them even now. He said, you have been faithful over all that God has asked you to do. I saw the sanctuary mantles dropping, dropping, dropping. When I asked the Holy Spirit what the mantles were, he said they were mantles of holiness. He said, you and many others at Trinity Fellowship were seeking after holiness, and in seeking, you have found. He said, he sent a fresh wind to blow over the congregation, a burning fire to burn in the congregation, his oil of anointing to fill up the congregation. He said he was moving on you and others to another dimension in him, a place in his presence where they had never been before. Again, I heard the sound of pure worship. He said it was worship, worship in spirit and in truth. He abides in us 
and rests upon us. Friend, that's a weight we can never afford to lose. The anointing and the power of God we can never afford to lose. Mm. Would you stand with me this morning? Would you just lift your hands with me this morning? Come on, if you feel his presence in this place, do it, Lord. Holy Ghost, come. Holy Ghost, come. Blow in this place, mighty breath of God. Blow in this place, mighty breath of God. Oh, let your fire fall in this place, Lord. Consume every, consume everything that that tangles us up, that ensnares us, consume everything that would try to destroy the weight of responsibility and the weight of the call that you have placed in our lives. Blow holy breath of God through this place. Come on, let him move in this place this morning. Let him move on you in this place this morning. Mighty breath of God, blow in this place. Holy Spirit, we respond to you. We respond to your word today, Lord. We respond to your word today, God. In closing, I ask you a few questions. Are you willing to ask God to give you a holy desperation for souls? Are you willing to be consumed to the core of your being with a desire for more of God? Are you willing to let him strip you of all confidence in the flesh until you get to the point where you completely depend on him? Are you willing to stand out of the crowd? That Are you willing to be never satisfied with anything less than God's heart and burden? Are you willing to be emptied and emptied again so that God can fulfill his destiny within you? How far are you willing to go to the experience, the glory every time that you come into this house? It's time for the church to wake up. William Booth said, we must wake ourselves up or someone will take our place and bear our cross and thereby rob us of our crown. How will the things you're doing today affect eternity? Every head bowed and every eye closed. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. My first call this morning is this. You got sin and you got things in your life that keep you from feeling the weight of responsibility. The only weight that you feel in your life is the weight of sin that brings you down and holds you back from doing whatever it is that God has called you to do. I want you to come. Make your way right now. Come on. Come on, you got sin in your life, you got junk in your life that you got to get rid of, you got to get right, and you know it, don't wait. I'm not going to give you some amount of time to come. This is your opportunity right now. Make your way, come on. Come to these altars, confess your sin to God. Come on, I'm going to give you just a few seconds to move out. You got sin in your life, you don't feel the weight of responsibility, you feel the weight of sin in your life. Come on, there's freedom for you in this house this morning. There's forgiveness for you in this house this morning. There's deliverance for you in this house this morning. I'm telling you, some of you got a call of God on your life, and it is so evident and it is so real, but the things that you allow yourself to do hinder you from fulfilling your calling. Today is the day that you get that right. Today is the day that you walk out of this place and you begin to do everything that God has called you to do. Today is the day.
Come on, you got sin in your life. Come on, come on, come on. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. There's some of you in here that you have the call of God on your life and you are so discouraged. You are so discouraged because things aren't looking and seeming like you want them to be. You're discouraged in your heart. I want you to come this morning. God's going to renew that call. Come on, you're discouraged today. You don't feel like you are doing what it is that God has called you to do. Hmm. Thank you, Father. Those that are responding to the altar, when you get down here, you just begin to pray. Don't wait for somebody to come and pray with you. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Somebody in this place has some resentment towards the ministry because of something that's happened to you in the past, and you are so resentful towards ministry because you're hurt. God is wanting to take that from you today, and he's going to restore you. You resent the ministry because of something that has happened to you. I want you to come. You're resentful in your ministry. Come. Come. Come on. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. You don't have to stop worshiping, church. You can continue to pray and lift your voice. Hallelujah. Hallelujah to your name, Father. Hallelujah to your name, Father. Thank you, Jesus. There's some of you that are in this place right now that you have not felt the burden for the lost in a long time. That the burden for lost souls has kind of crept its way out of your life and you want that back today. You want to feel the weight and responsibility for souls. I want you to come. I want you to come. And I want you to pray the prayer, God, give me your heart for the lost. Would you come today? Would you come today? Would you come, those of you that are that would say, God, I want to feel, I want to be weighted down with the burden of the lost souls that you want to add to your kingdom. Would you come? Would you come? Anybody in this place today that would say, I'm willing to be spent and spend everything I have for the sake of the gospel, for the sake of reaching out to others, would you come today? And would you let God place upon your heart the burden for lost and dying souls? Would you come today? Those of you that are willing to be woken up in the midnight hour and you get on your face and you begin to travail and you begin to cry out for your lost loved ones, for your lost mother or father, your brother, your sister, your cousin, your uncle or your aunt. Would you be willing to do that today? Would you be willing to be broken for the lost? Would you be willing to be the one to stand in the gap for those that don't know Jesus? Would you come today? Would you come today? For those of you that are called into ministry, those of you that have a calling on your life, I don't care whether it's full time, I don't care whether you work in the children's area, whether you hold a door, whether you teach a Sunday school class, if you are called by God, I want you to come to these altars today and I want you to let him feel you, I want you to let him touch you to, and feel you to overflowing in this place that you would walk out of here with a fresh call and a renewed vision for what he's called you to do, a fresh weight for the things that he's called you to do. Would you join us around these altars? today. Let's turn this place into a house of prayer this morning and let's seek the face of God. Father, we worship you. 
We worship you. Come on, would you come this morning? You're called into ministry. I want you to come. You're called into ministry. Let him touch you again today. Let him renew that calling in your life. Let him renew that vision in your life that he's given you. Let him revive that dead dream that's been in your heart that hasn't come to pass yet. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, lift your voice, church. Lift your voice. Holy Ghost, come. Spirit, fall in this place today. Let your spirit fall in this place today, God. We want you, Lord. We want you, God. We want your presence. We want your glory, Lord. We want your power to be on display, God. Come on, you need to repent in this place this morning. Do it. Get right with the Lord. Get your heart right with the Lord. Don't wait. Don't wait for tomorrow. Get it done today. Get your life right.